We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with the microphone. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on Voice America Women's Network. I am now broadcasting, believe it or not, with my co-host here in Austin, Texas, with Lauren Beller. How are you this morning, Lauren? I know how you are this morning. <laughs> <laughs> a little crazy, but we're here. A little crazy, but we're doing it. It's very cool. We're just sitting here opposite each other. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we've got a great show coming up this morning, Lauren. Laura, uh, Larry and Laura Collin, not sure which one or whom we're speaking to, but I know they're online. Uh, they are author of Family. Authors of Family Inc., How to Manage Parents, Siblings, Spouses, Children, and In-Laws in the Family Business. That's a tough thing to do. More than 24 million family businesses in the United States alone employ 62% of America's workforce. And in Asia, Europe, Australia, and Latin America, experts say family businesses could account for as much as 80% of the private sector. What's different about dealing with family members and dealing with underlings and, and managers at an impersonal corporation. Well, we're going to find out. Welcome to the show. Do I have Larry and Laura or one or the other? Who do I have? You have Laura and Larry. I have uh, Laura. I, <laughs> Good morning, ladies, and we're connected like you are. My wife's in Savannah, and I'm in Alpharetta, Georgia, so we're all <laughs> testing technology. We're testing technology. That's great. That's so cool. now I have the whole family business on, do I? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okay. All right. This is this is a hot topic because I know people start family businesses and they think, oh, this is going to be great. I can trust, you know, it's my mother, my father, my spouse, my kids. We can trust each other. Uh, this is an ideal situation, but apparently it's not. Yeah, Larry. Why don't you tell them a little <laughs> bit about your experience? Yeah, because you've been in the, yes, and Larry. I mean, and I should say you're you've been you have a very successful business. I mean, you've written this book, but you both have been in this really this what two hundred million dollar a year business in sales. So you know what you're talking about. Yeah, not only that, but my wife was an investment banker in Wall Street and just got a master's in finance, so we 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 have some experience. I uh, it was a veteran uh, for 37 years in the family business. The family business broke all the statistics and went on for 92 years. I work with seven relatives, and the business went to its fourth generation. Most family businesses hardly get out of the second generation. I, only 30% go to the second generation. And why is that? I want, I want to stop you there, yeah. Larry. Why do they? Because I've read that and I read your book. And, you, and what's the reason why it just doesn't seem to be able well, to go from that second to third generation? Well, there's two reasons. It's, uh, when, you, when you merge together these ingredients of blood, money, and power, which is what a family business really is, you end up with a very combustible set of ingredients if the family gets mad at each other. And that happens more than not. And uh, you said something early on as you, you were describing us. It, you used the word trust. When the trust is gone in a marriage or the trust is gone in a friendship or trust is gone in family business, things happen. The second problem with family businesses is they don't manage the family. 
they love to go out, the person who's the founder, whether it's the woman or the man who founded the business or runs the business, they'd rather deal with customers, deal with suppliers, fix things in the office, collect money. But the last thing they want to do is sit down with little Johnny and Joan and find out what's going on, why they're having these, these sibling issues. They put that on the to-do list of going to the dentist. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's very interesting that you, you put it that way, too, because we have a, a character in our book called Dad the Decider, and uh, the Dad the Decider has just the same problem that Larry's talking about. How do I manage my family and uh, the business at the same time? And most people who are in that position have two ways of dealing with the issues. The first one is we call it the head in the sand. They just, you know, act like it's not there. And so the problems keep going on, the employees know all about it, and the business starts tanking because of it. Or the other uh, way they deal with it is called command and control. So basically it's my way or the highway. And uh, it's, it's very difficult sometimes for family members to deal with a uh, person like that. Well, I mean, do you, you ever, Laura, bring in somebody from the outside? Because I hear these are like the extremes. You have someone, you say, you know, command, just put, bury your head in the sand, or you are the commander in chief. Is there anything in between, a short of a therapist, uh, you know, or a coach? Or... <laughs> maybe, maybe let me try this one. <laughs> yeah. you know, All right, Larry, go ahead. Let's hear yeah, this one. Yeah, I mean, I've been there. You know, mm-hmm. you, you imagine this. You know, you're sitting with your sister and your mother in a psychiatrist's office in a last-ditch effort to try and save the family business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, all you hear is yelling and screaming. And the reason it doesn't work, the reason that effort didn't work, is because you really need a different kind of therapist. You, you need not the, the typical therapist. You need someone who understands what happens when money comes into play, when business structures come into play, when the paradigm in old software comes about, you know, how you were in the house as a kid, yet you're a full-grown adult now. You're 30, 35, 40, and dad still or mom still sees you a certain way. There are resources out there today, and I think it's fairly much recent that a lot of universities like Kellogg and uh, Harvard and uh, other other major universities have set up family business programs. And there's a series of um, magazines, family business magazine, uh, that have resources in it that deal with setting up structure for family businesses. Mm-hmm. Family businesses can't live on love alone. That's absolutely right. And, and, but, and to address your question a little bit, uh, too, more specifically, uh, a lot of times family businesses don't want outsiders to come in. They, um, they don't want outsiders to see uh, what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're a little embarrassed about it. Um, but but uh, the point of our book is to say, hey, look, these problems are pretty common. I mean, your, your family business may, may be unique, but the personalities and conflicts in the family business are pretty common. And whether you're George Steinbrenner or Rupert Murdoch or the dad running a $10 million business with his two sons in it, you know, you're all dealing with the same kinds of things. Laura, Larry, either one of you, do you think it is it helpful if you have a family, strictly a family business, to bring someone in as part of the business, just one outsider? Does that kind of... Um, deflect some of the emotional stuff or the tensions that may be going on, or, um, uh, you know, amongst the family members. Do you want it? Uh, 
I mean, I think it does. Uh, Personally, uh, the problem in the family and business combination is that no one really represents the business. And the business is the golden goose that keeps the family going, but the family doesn't get to see it because they're all involved when things go wrong in their own ego ego situations. An outside independent person in charge of the business has a first priority, which is, is the business healthy? Is it, you know, getting what it needs and are people respecting it? So I totally agree if, if, if no one is the sheriff that you need to bring in a sheriff. And what about what happens when one person, and I know you covered this in the book because I think this probably is a frequent occurrence, when the son or the daughter says, you know what, I want out, and I don't want out of my relationship with my mother or father, but I do want out of the business, and do they become one and the same? Well, I, you know, I would say that uh, you, you let that person go. I mean, uh, you can't have a family business be a prison to the kids. Uh, there needs to be, uh, whether it's in uh, legal agreements, if the person owns stock, a way to be able to uh, have the company buy that stock back and let that person have their own life. They're not going to do a good job if they're not doing what they want to do. And, Larry, how about, here's another scenario. What if, the, you know, son number one, the oldest son, is the least capable of, you know, being the, the CEO of the business, where son number three, the youngest one, he's the bright one, he's the one who should be head of things. How does that work out? It the- is, goes back to Cain and Abel. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back to Cain and Abel. I didn't invent it. You didn't invent it. It's... It's a setup, and, and there's so many cultures in the world today that if you just happen to be in a lucky birth, they call it birth order mm-hmm. in the books. Mm-hmm. Birth order automatically means you're, 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 you become the king. And, and the truth is, is that can't be anymore. And uh, the problem is a lot of the generation before me felt that that was what it was. Um, it's very difficult. It has to do with the parents. That's a parent problem. The parents have to say, you know, that doesn't, or the, fish, the fact that you came, came into the world first doesn't, doesn't give you this franchise. It has to do with other things. And so I think that the parents are the ones that break it. But if it's not broken and the person feels they're entitled, you have set up a disastrous uh, a set of uh, circumstances that are going to play out. All right, Laura, here's another disastrous or potentially disastrous set of circumstances. <laughs> son number one or son number two, they get married. Then you bring in the, in, the in-laws, the daughter-in-laws, who think that they, one, think she should, you know, they should be getting more out of the business than the oh. other. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I, I played that role. Okay. <laughs> I have played that Don't role. Don't forget, and, I'm your social worker with a microphone, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I, well, I tell you, I wish I had known you about 20 years ago. <laughs> um, you know, it was very interesting for me because I did not come from a family business at all. And I often say I didn't realize it at the time, but I joined the family business the day I married Larry. And uh, what what we say and what we write in our book is uh, all family members are a part of the family business, whether you you take the paycheck or not. And uh, when you're an in-law, we say that you need to be a supportive spouse. You know, you can't fan the flames of, of uh, uh, conflict with your husband when he comes home and he's, he's mad because his brother or father said something that he didn't like, and then you have to go to the Sunday barbecue, and you don't want to talk to everyone, and you take his side. It, that's a very difficult position to be in. But I, but I want to say that it's human nature, and that's the part that you're probably coming from. And I had an uncle who I loved 
who's fabulously wealthy, and I remember one day talking to him, and he was telling me a story that went back 30 years ago about he and his brother in business and how his brother somehow got home at 2 o'clock every day and renovated his house in a way that that this brother couldn't. And there was this jealousy and envy and bad sense of of, of each other. And yet, if you looked at them today, they're living in the upper 1% of the people in America. So I, I, it's just something very human nature. It's like two kids looking at the chocolate milk that you put out in front of them for breakfast, and one sees if the other one's bigger. Would you, yeah, that's what right. What would you say, Larry, Laura, who – give us an example besides your business, which obviously you – you you knew how to do it and you've done it, but um, what would you say uh, would be? We have a couple minutes left. Uh, who are the businesses that we could look to, family businesses that we know now real successful that have worked, and then maybe some that haven't worked? Well, you know, I, I think that um, Donald Trump is doing an outstanding job at uh, showcasing his family business. Uh, he recently, I believe, has two children in the business. And I think the um, amazing thing about him is that he had set up certain requirements that the kids go to certain levels of education and they work, uh, you know, certain ways. And although he's a, a, a you know, kind of uh, high-visibility person, uh, I believe he's going to be the sheriff in town and make sure that they run the business and that they they have a certain standards because he's been in business long enough. You'd hear you know, horrendous things if he he wasn't doing things right. Yeah, and I think that's a good example because his daughter also well prepared. We've only got a minute left. I could go on and on with you if you guys want to stay on for a couple minutes. Sure, we'll take a absolutely. Short break. Okay, to. great. We're talking to Larry and Laura Collin. I'm Catherine Zox. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network with Lauren Beller, my co-host. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. talk with you not at you we're voice america women's radio network the new face of talk radio ladies are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything well here it is Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel. Experts say everybody is addicted to something. Did you know that addiction affects about 15% of our country's middle class population? How many people do you know who are dependent on some kind of substance? Would you guess your friends, your neighbors? How about your family? You may be surprised. Many of us live with chronic pain, which has made us drug dependent, prescription drug dependent. Others struggle with alcohol, methamphetamine, and cocaine addiction. Do you have a chronic pain problem? There is another way out. Tune in each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for a new prescription for health with Dr. Richard Gracer on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. 
You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox, and I am your social worker with the microphone on Voice America Women's Network. And we've been talking to Larry and Laura Collin They are the authors of Family, Inc., which I have to say the book has been described as a witty, engaging blueprint for maintaining peace within the family without busting the business. Well, I guess that says it all. So (laughs) That's absolutely right. Yeah, not an easy task, though, as we've been talking about this morning. But before we took the break, I asked you, like, businesses that are obviously in the news, high-profile businesses, family businesses, which one do you think have really done the job? And you're talking about Donald Trump and... uh, um, his ability to be able to, even as commander, I think of him as commander in chief for some reason. That he's on the, you know, even yeah. though he's got the kids in the business. Another thing, though, but Larry, uh, when you were talking about that, I thought about this. Um, his kids are well prepared too. He didn't just put them in the business. I think his daughter went to the Wharton School. Um, not Correct. Sure, yeah. So they had to go through, you know, what is, you know, go through the ropes or whatever it is. I mean, they really had to get the education and, and be prepared as, as if he were hiring someone on the outside into yeah, the Yeah, the, the family business wasn't the, the employer of last resort for the family. Right, exactly. And, and you know, uh, you're talking about this whole kind of what we call sibling team scenario. And it's an interesting statistic. About 25 years ago, only 5 to 10% of family businesses were owned or managed by, by sibling teams, brothers and sisters working together. In the future, that's going to be 40 to 50% according to uh, the uh, Kellogg professor, a uh, uh, family business expert. So, and Laura, why in, do you think that is? Why is that change? It's, why the trans- it's the transfer of wealth. The they, baby boomers. Yeah. The baby boomer generation, as, as well, and, and Donald Trump, I think, is 61. So he's preparing his children for uh, running the business. And, uh, you know, in the past, again, as you had said before, you know, the older son used to get, get it all the time. Well, now... Um, uh, I think uh, family business statistics have shown that uh, when women are involved in the family business, it has um, uh, the opportunity to last longer uh, and stay in the family. Um, again, uh, this professor uh, from Kellogg said that uh, a family business run by two sons has a much higher likelihood of not staying in the family. That's right. interesting. And so they bring different it, things to the table. The masculine, the two genders, masculine, exactly feminine. Is that what, what you mean? That's exactly. Well, right. I think women don't compete in the way men compete. And there's this 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 T word, the testosterone, that uh, is good and bad. Yeah. And, and and I think it works poorly when you're in a family business and things aren't uh, comfortable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you have you don't want the two testosterone. You want to. Estrogen and testosterone work well <laughs> together. Go. Is that what we're saying? It's the best combination. It's but, the but, best combination, exactly. Uh, another thing that's interesting, you're talking about generations and keep, you know, accumulating the family wealth, passing it down. Now that people are living longer, um, I don't know if you've run into this, but it would seem to me you may have many generations in the business because you have the 70-year-old matriarch or patriarch, sure. and then you have gener- baby boomer, generation X, generation Y, and they could all be in the business together. Right. Right, but the trend is, 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 is human nature, again, goes back and the hard-charging daughter 
where the hard-charging son who comes into the business, who went to the Ivy League school, who maybe worked somewhere else on Wall Street, or was a lawyer, comes into the business and they want to drive the bus. <laughs> and, the, and the parents don't want to let the hands off the wheel of the bus. Mm-hmm. And so there becomes the challenge of that generation and the other generation to the it was the pace of change, and people don't like change. What about so, I want to, here's another family that, that you know obviously we all know about the Walton Sam Walton did he do it well or not or talk to us about that business because that's certainly a family business. I'm not that familiar with Sam Walton except that that's the one of the largest. Companies. Must have done something right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, all I can credit with credit him with is, is great. But there is a a uh, a, a poster child uh, company. Uh, you, you know that when you go get coffee or something in the morning, the little um, think pad sweet and low. Yes. Yeah, they were written up. But uh, the the grandson of the founder uh, wrote a book about the Cumberland Packaging Company, which is the name that Sweden Low is, the parent company of Sweden Low. And uh, I think he went as far as to say that they were all the problem, and I think he even turned them into the IRS. <laughs> I mean, it was a really ugly story, and he wrote his own book about it. So I, I, uh, that, was, that was a family that went wild. Okay, so that's a family that you don't want to emulate. Any others besides Donald Trump? I mean, that, that, uh, I mean obviously he's probably number one, but any of these high-profile families that have done it right in terms of family businesses? I mean, you know, there's the Bacardi Company, which is, you know, a large, large family business. I mean, they have, as I understand it, 500 shareholders that are family. I don't know. It's it's a very old company, Bacardi Rum, and they've done it right. They've been around a long time. There's uh, companies, uh, I think, what was it? What is the name of that uh, stuff you put on your your sushi, Laura? uh, Oh, the soy sauce. What's what's Um, the name of that company? It's like a... Seven hundred. I think yeah. yeah, Japanese company. It's like a seven hundred or three hundred year old company, mm-hmm. and they've gone through twenty one generations or something. Well, that, you bring up a, another point, then, Larry. You know, a Japanese company families are very. It's a different culture. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that makes it kind of different, perhaps <laughs> a little bit. I we mean, just got. We just got back from China. And I think China is really fascinating from a psychological perspective. They went to this one-child family thing in 1978, mm-hmm. where you could only have one child. So think about the kid that grows up in a house where he's the center, she's the center of the world. Now all of a sudden you go out and you go into the family business where you're supposed to have ancestor worship based on the culture. So you've got an uncle or an aunt or, you know, a grandfather there, and you've already been schooled at Harvard and all these other places and got great education, and you come in and you don't know how to play in the sandbox because you never had a brother or sister who took your toys or had to share. You never, you, you wanted the drumstick and you didn't get it. You know, so I think that that is, that, I think that culture. So that's is, a detriment, you know, that is so true. I mean, I, I remember being in China also a few, maybe six years ago now, and you would see, as you're describing it, you'd see this number one son surrounded by grandparents and parents and all these older, you know, the generation just everything focused on this one little kid. 
So yeah. uh, I mean, like, I, had the pleasure, I had the pleasure of having a brother and aunts and uncles and a father and mother all told me I was no good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that made you work harder. Yeah, that's, that's true. Right. Yeah. So there are cultural differences, and I think obviously the world is flat, Thomas Friedman, so we have right. to be aware of those too. Um, tell us, let's get back to, I, I'd like to get back to your business specifically because obviously that's where all the material came for the book. Um, tell us some of your family secrets and how you did it and, uh, and how many people are in your family business, how many are there and who are they? Well, at this point, it's, it's the business that Laura and I are in is just this book writing business where we're, you know, uh, gonna be speaking and, and, and doing that and we've been working together over 10 years, so it's great. But the business that I had that went on for 92 years, probably some of the best times in my life working with my father, my brother, my uncle, my mother, uh, my nephew, when, when it was right, it was probably some of the best feelings in my life because you have an emotional bond with your family and you have a mission. And what you're doing, whether if someone's out there and helping a lower cost or someone's out there helping getting a new customer or someone's going to take care of something so you don't have to take care of it, the fact, the feeling of unity and the feeling of of we're in it together, we're all rowing the same way, is uh, wonderful. And when it's right, I don't think anything anything exceeds it. As a matter of fact, statistically, uh, there's a, a thing called the family business advantage. And family businesses, when they get it right, outperform non-family businesses. I would imagine you would have, you know, when it's right, it's like a peak experience. It's the best that can be. But yes. if it goes sour or wrong, you can't walk away from it like you can just if you're working for another company or a corporation because always part of what went wrong is going to stay with you if it's been a family business. Sure. And I think that, you know, part of the writing of this book has been, you know, psychologically helpful to Laura and I. And what we experienced, you know, was, you know, at the end, um, very undesirable, you know, just picture, you know, you being in a room uh, with your sister and um, with a former judge and you're in a, uh, a mediation, you know, very difficult, cold concept where you're sitting there with three lawyers and your sister's sitting there with three lawyers and your sister's lawyers get up and they say bad things about you <laughs> and then when they're done the uh the uh your lawyer gets up and says bad things about your sister <laughs> and it's you look very and, difficult and you look at each other and you go you don't say it but you right. go we lost our way Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, Larry made made uh, a good point to me uh, a long time ago about this. It's not just uh, between you and your brother and your sister. It goes down through generations because his kids wind up not talking to uh, uh, sister's kids. Or, again, generation after generation, they, you know, it gets split apart. It's very, very sad. So, Laura, think... best piece, 
or Larry, best piece of advice for, for those considering to maybe start a family business? I mean, because there, are, as you mentioned earlier in the show, there are books to read. I mean, I'm sure you can go online, obviously get your book and read it, but um, so that you're prepared, so you just don't kind of stumble into it. Hey, let's start a business together. That's not the way to do it. Don't you have to have kind of the plus and the minuses and see if you, ha- you know, if if you're the kind of family who would be able to do this or pull it off or be successful? I don't think there is another book in the market that right, describes it. You're the only it. book. And I- no, 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 no. I, I, cause we, I got a sh- I'm looking at a shelf full of these books. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've got you know maybe a thousand dollars worth of books that I'm looking at right now, and I can tell you that I can't. If, I, if I'm the savvy sister, I don't know where to turn in these books. If I'm the hard charging son, I don't know where to turn in these books. If I'm the uncle, if I'm the you know the spouse. This book will put you right on mark, and, and I'm not trying to sell a book as much as you think. I'm just trying to let you know that we've given it to a simple way. I think that that, that family business really needs structure, and that I, I will go back to. It. And, the, and the, probably the second thing is you need to act. You just can't let these things happen. You can't, you can't be like an ostrich and think that they're going to go away. They do not go away. Family problems. Do not get better with time. They are not like wine. Yeah, that's right. Well, they get repressed, I think, is what you're saying, and they come out in different, you know, you can put your head in the sand, but it pops out, you know, like putting your finger in the dike. Well, you may solve the problem, the immediate problem, but it comes out, you know, it keeps popping out in different areas and and sometimes real disaster. Uh, Family Inc., great talking to you this morning. Lots of good information. You can buy the book online, bookstores everywhere. Larry and Laura Collin, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. If I need a therapist, I'm calling you. Please That's do. right. <laughs> I'm here. Great talking to you this morning. You're, ta- you're listening to the Catherine Zock Show on Voice America Women's Network. I'm Catherine Zock, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Deller. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. Jack LaLane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how, three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Have issues, parenting, addictions, disorders, anxiety, stress. How do we expand on what's working and improve what's not? Let Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson bring you a high energy approach to personal growth and creative life change. Listen every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Women's Channel. Let Beth bring you back to sanity with a blend of humor and perspective so you can make the change you need. Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson, Thursdays at 4 p.m. P.M. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, here on Voice America Women's Channel. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. 
We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zoff Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zoff Show. Thanks for joining us this morning on Voice America Women's Network. I am Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller, and I'm your social worker with the microphone sitting right here in Austin, Texas. Lauren, this is very, very cool being with you this morning and doing the show together. It is fun. It's a different experience to have you in my house while we're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Setting up all the equipment, trying to get the studio organized. Actually, there are two studios here, Lauren's and the one she set up for me, so we're cool. have to say, first time to Texas, Lauren. And I'm very impressed. I was going to say, what do you think? Well, you know, I haven't seen Austin yet because I got in late last night, but Dallas was quite an experience. I saw Catherine did Dallas in a day. (laughs) Remember Debbie did Dallas? Of course I do. Did you ever see that film? I I don't think I've ever seen it, but how could you not remember the title? I remember the title and I saw the film. I was in college and it was like a big thing at one of those movie theaters down on some shady street or whatever it was. Yeah, It was, you know, today it's not, you know, it was porn, but it wasn't that. I mean, I think for that time it was something, but today I don't know. It wasn't so great. It was, some of it becomes even laughable. But anyway, I did Dallas in a different way. <laughs> you did Dallas in a day. I did Dallas in a day. I hired a driver to take me around to see Dallas, and she showed me everything. And what I didn't realize was the architecture. The ama- I mean, I, I'm into art and architecture, and I am Pei, one of our most famous architects of all times, I think, has five buildings in Dallas. Oh, I didn't know that. Magnificent. He did the Symphony Hall. He did a huge office building. He did City Hall. And then all this very sensual, seductive uh, artwork, sculptures, Henry Moore, all over the city. I mean, it's just interesting. And then another, you have to get to Dallas. Um, <laughs> I do get to Dallas. I drive in, do my thing, and turn around and go home. Yeah, well, you're a businesswoman, so that's all. You've got to just take an extra day, stay overnight, and... And do Dallas. And do Dallas. And the other uh, interesting point of well, which was interesting for me, was the book depository uh, where the... Lee Harvey Oswald shot President right. Kennedy. That is, I actually have been there. That's a museum. That is amazing, and it's it's um yeah it's a it's in some ways it's in, it's an amazing place to be, and it's a hard place to be to know the history of what happened there. You know, it's sad. It brought up a lot of stuff for me because yeah. I yeah I remember you know as everyone does if they were alive or over ten years old exactly. they remember where they were. So that I was, was actually really young, but I remember my mother's response. And um, I, that's all I remember. Like I didn't. Re- I just knew that it was something devastating happened, and I was. Ty- I think I was four. Well, they're still working on the conspiracy theory there. Actually, the the guide who showed me around, she she spent twenty minutes showing me, you know, uh, uh, this whole lengthy list of things about why it wasn't. I don't want to get into it, but Lee Harvey Oswald, and it was the government, and blah blah. So, and it was interesting, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Arboretum. I could work for the. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, I guess. That was beautiful. So, And then I uh, went to Fort Worth for a day, which was even more exciting in a way. They have a huge the Museum of Modern Art, fantastic. Uh, the other museum, the Amon something or other museum, which has uh, all, uh, all kinds of modern and traditional art. Just uh, interesting 
interesting state. The lone very different. Very you're gonna, I believe you're going to find every city that you'll see in Texas is very. I shouldn't say that. I think Houston and Dallas are more similar, but they're different cities. And Austin is 180 degrees different than Dallas. So tell, where are we going for dinner in Austin? I haven't had barbecue yet. Where's the best barbecue in Austin? And I'm taking you guys for dinner. We're going to have really... to go to barbecue without me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it depends on what kind of an experience you want. There's like real authentic barbecue, and then there's like the Dallas more, co- not Dallas, the Texas more commercial barbecue. Authentic. So want... I don't want commercial. I want authentic barbecue in Houston. Austin. Well, then there's a place that is, um, it's quite an experience, and you you don't even get plates. You get. <laughs> That's fine. You just dig in with your fingers? Yeah, and they get they serve it on a place, their placemat, which is their plate. Isn't that the authentic way of doing it? Actually, a cab driver told me that, too, when I was driving around Dallas. He said, when, yeah, if you really want the authentic barbecue you eat it with your fingers you do yeah yeah well they do do forks but um you know it's interesting because in the mornings they also make uh, breakfast tacos and my daughter is addicted she could have them every single day she's a texas girl she is i hate to say it and Ugh, she's, yeah she's, she a, is. she's a cowgirl and if she stays here long enough she really will because she came here when she was a baby no she was born here Oh, that's right. She was born here. Yes, she's a Texan. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a New Yorker. I'm a definitely, and her father is too. So, yeah, but I think you'll really enjoy Austin. It's a different city than Dallas. If you, I think Dallas is more of a metropolitan, where Austin's more of a um, experience. You know what I mean? Is there's, it's a, it's a very eclectic city that's grown leaps and bounds, and they've really done a good job of keeping its eclecticness. And South by Southwest, the film festival and music festival is here, so there's just a lot going on. I do feel, even though people are very friendly, like a stranger in a strange land. Yeah, I agree. I felt like that when I first came here, too. And when they ask me where I'm from and I say New York, and I don't say Albany, New York, I just say New York, they kind of like, there's a silence, you know, New York. Exactly. That's like a different, a different country. Well... I should say Albany, New York, because that's been on the news. Elliot Spitzer, what do you think? Uh, uh, oh, my goodness. Poor man dug his own grave. He, Yeah, all right. So, But what do you think he should – I mean, what, two things. Our response to him, because he's left with a prostitute, and should he step down, or I guess he has – Well, he did step down. He did step as down. As of yesterday. Yeah. I think he did. I think it was No, he did. He, official. he said yeah. he did. He resigned. He did resign. You know, it was interesting. When I when the news first broke, I was watching one of my favorites, um, Anderson Cooper. And Anders, someone on Anderson Cooper, I don't remember at the time who it was, it was late two nights ago, um, said if this was another any other country in the world, this would be on the 26th page of the paper or, you know, deep in the news. It would be, you know, at the 26th at minute of the of the news versus top story, but because it's the United States of America, it's a top story. He's got that right, and we are pure. I haven't. I agree with him. I'm not sure. I mean, well, that's just a statement, but there is something to that. This I agree with puritanical background. Yeah. It's the focus on what he did. I mean, he's done. He's a very you know powerful man. He's a leader. He's done all of these kinds of things, and you know just be. You know, it's a personal matter that he slept with a prostitute. That's a, exactly. between him and his wife. I agree with you that. You know, not I, between him and the public. That has nothing to to I me. I agree with you, and yeah. I think that we're making a we we make it such a right and wrong thing. And the issue is, is that he and his wife had agreement. If they had an agreement that that was wrong, that it was wrong. If they had an agreement that it was okay, it was okay. 
Exactly. And so what we're doing is I think we, we really eliminate a lot of very talented people uh, because of who they sleep with. And exactly. I, I, that's a huge, I think that's a, an error on our part. And as you said, as Anderson Cooper said, that doesn't happen in other countries. As a matter of fact, they they laugh at us because, the, you know, men in powerful places and now women in powerful places, that's what they do. I mean, and that's that, that's just you know, that's, I mean, from all our presidents, uh, you know, down the line. So, exactly. Uh, but, it's, so it's really, uh, I think we sort of condemned him, and I, I think it's a major error. I, I really do, and I think it is. It's between him and his wife and, you know, I, nothing to do with his job. Unless he's uh, spending, what was it, $4,500 for two and a half hours, as I understand it, for this uh, prostitute, unless it's our money, taxpayers' that's, that's money. That's the issue. Is, 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 is using it? his own? I don't know. We haven't heard it yet. But it was eighty thousand dollars, is what I've heard. And then, you know, my husband made a point of, well, governors don't make that much money. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> so, so who's, you know, whose money was he using? And if he was using, well, he's you know, independently wealthy. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah, I he comes. Think, yeah. He comes from a very well-to-do family. Now, I don't know whether that, you know, I have no idea, but uh, I know that. The, that's the case, so I don't it, know. You know, it would have been. My mother said this. It would have been really cool if his wife would have been able to be a strong. You know, come on that in, in that press room that night and said, "You know what? He did what he did, and I. We have an agreement. We've talked about this, and I'm fine with it. If the press isn't fine with it, it's a whole other story." Your mother is so right that I haven't heard that perspective. But you know what? If she really stood by her man, as they're saying, that would be the way to do it and save his career and hers, perhaps. Exactly. So, yeah, I, that's very interesting, and I and I, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think that's true. Well, it's, it really is. It's really it's all about. Sorry, my cell phone just made a. Anyway, um, it's really all about what's our response to it. You know, is our response the poor? Am I the victim? And this was a terrible thing, or is my response? You know, sex outside of marriage has been happening for a gazillion years, and we're going to deal with it in our own private way, and we're fine. One way or the other, we will be fine, and the press needs to just go away. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a... It would have been so... So I do think it's important for us to really... You know, every time this happens, we it's the same story. It's the same look on the woman's face, you know? Yeah, that's the yeah, deer in the headlights. Well, my friend said, her brother said he wanted to know what this woman did <laughs> for $4,500 and two hours. Because oh. he was real interested in that because, you know, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Uh, yeah, it is. And uh, was she doing something special that uh, his wife couldn't do for him? So you can see where my friends are coming from. Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's very funny. I would, I, that's a whole other, a whole other conversation. Yeah. And I actually am shocked that they exposed who she was. So, yeah, they really. I mean, she was a. She was really a pawn in it. She was one. Of, she was an employee of the organization, I guess. Right. Yeah. And who are the other top ten? They say that you know. What I don't know. Mr. Spitzer was allegedly uh, on this top ten list, but who are the other nine? Yeah. And they. The big thing that I heard on the Today Show yesterday is that most of the people on the list were top police officers and governor, government officials. There you go. Yeah, so that's very interesting. You know, that those, and those people they said on the news were um, those types of people both think that they're above the law, the people that create the laws and the people that enforce them. See, this would be a real um, 
slogan for a woman, a post-menopause, and I'm not going to say who, but if you have a post-menopausal woman running for president, you're not going to have to deal with these problems. That's exactly She's right. been there, done that, doesn't need to do that. So you're going to point. How's that? We wouldn't waste our energy on this issue. You absolutely not. You know, it never she, comes up. It would never come up. <laughs> she can be commander-in-chief and uh, focus and not have to get into all this stuff. So, hey, how about that? But well, not- think about how much more brain power she'd be using if she wasn't looking at the, exactly. over her shoulder all the time at the next spot. Little <laughs> you got <check>. that right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. You're talking to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller on Voice America Women's Network. Don't go away. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Did you smile today? A healthy, attractive smile shows confidence and will give others a great first impression. Tune in to Dr. Chad for Smile Radio. If you have a question that you've always wanted to ask your dentist but were afraid to, Dr. Chad is here to help. Did you know there's a strong connection between oral health and general health and well-being overall? Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, that's 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Smile Radio with Dr. Chad. Ladies, what are you willing to do to live the life of your dreams? Are you willing to start today? If your answer is yes, even if you are just mildly curious, you've got to tune in to Wise Divas with life coach and host Teresa Proctor each Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Start living your wildest dream today. talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zoff Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. Thanks for joining us this morning, Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller on Voice America Women's Network. And I have to say, Lauren, did you hear, I think we have been consistently on the Voice America Women's Network, at least sometimes number one, the most listened to on the Women's Network, and sometimes number two. So we're doing really well. We just have to pump it up so that we stay in number one all the time. Well, if we keep talking about Debbie Does Dallas and what um, the, port, the the woman's doing to Spitzer, we might stay up there. Exactly. Now, <laughs> then we'll get some listeners. <laughs> if we keep talking about child care and mommies, we might not. But, yeah, we gotta, yeah if we get racy and talk about something uh, different than that, you're right. Okay, so I'm going to leave that up to you. I'm the one who brought those up. You, you have to bring something up related. Oh, God. Yeah. Sex 
always sells, let's face it. Always, every and, time. And not just for um, men, but for women, too. I think our listeners are probably mostly women, don't you think? Yes, I do. Yeah. I think, yeah. If sex sells for women, I, you know, and I, I, I like kick myself. I'm watching the Spitzer thing, and I'm talking, you know, just like, you know, saying, why are they doing this? What's the media doing? But, you know, I turn it on. I want to listen to it. I'm, like, drawn to it. I can't I do the help same it. Thing. I do the same thing. I want to see the next the next thing. Like, what are they saying about it now, you know? Yeah. But I don't like a, it over and over and over for hours and hours at a time. I'll turn it on, get a snapshot, and move on. Yeah, and, and the truth is you can go on every three or four hours, and you get the same thing playing over and over. Even Anderson Cooper does the same Absolutely. thing over and over. Yeah. Uh, Larry King interviewed the wife of what McGreevy, you know, the one yes. whose husband in yep. New Jersey stepped down because he was having an affair with uh, one a of man. His, a man, one of his, what, he was also one of his colleagues. I think he was, yeah. yeah. She was also on the Today Show yesterday morning. So she's getting herself famous over all of this and stuff. You have to wonder. Yeah. She said it's like a club now. It's like a club of the men, the women that men have cheated on. The women that, <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, she says, it's funny, if my phone rings and the media wants to speak to me, I know that some other man slept with some famous, you know, some famous man has slept with somebody. Yeah, and you don't have to be famous to do it. Hey, ladies, look at the statistics, and now women are catching up with men, and I don't have them in front of me, but I think it's something like at least 60 to 70% of all men, and these are the ones who admit to it, so who knows, it could be 100% in the course <laughs> of their marriage have an affair. Now, that can be a one-night, I had a, and, and I have to tell you, I'm driving out to, I'm taking a cab out here to Lauren's house in her studio, and the cab driver and I got into a conversation. He was a young man, and we're obviously we're talking about uh, Spitzer, and you know that's what everybody's talking about because he asked me, where are you from? His take on it, which was totally not mine, he said, well, you know, it would be understandable if he had slept with one of his aides or someone, a, a, a colleague or someone that he cared about and that he developed a relationship with. That would be less damaging, but sleeping with a prostitute was unacceptable. That's interesting. And I said, and his name was Jeff, if he's listening, I said, Jeff, I just met Jeff this morning, but... I said, <laughs> I talk to anybody who will talk to me. This is like 6.30 in the morning. Hey, lady, could you please be quiet? No. So I said, but Jeff, I said, for me, and I want to hear your take on it, Lauren. I said, I would be less threatened by a prostitute because it's not somebody that he does have a relationship with than if it were my best friend oh, or, no, somebody, or a you. colleague or what I would call my equal, somebody who was... Uh, you know, in my realm or in my social realm, that would be much more threatening because that's how you leave the marriage. You're not going to leave the marriage for a prostitute. What do you, is that a man's perspective or a younger person's perspective or what? That's very interesting. I would think that's a man's perspective. Um, but I agree with you that it would be less threatening if it was a prostitute. Yeah, I, I wonder where he was coming from. I, I, I'm not sure, and we didn't because we got here in 20 minutes. I didn't have an opportunity to finish the interview with this guy. But, and I wonder how many, you know, you know, the response. How many people feel that way? Or, you know, whether it's divided among between male and female or gender differences. Well, I think he's saying. I'm only making it up because obviously we don't have him here. But um, in other words, it would be understandable that he would have an affair with someone that he's been attracted to and working with and spending a lot of time with, and then he could justify it. Yeah, he may justify it, but that's the formula for getting a divorce. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, which prostitution isn't. And, I mean, there, it's not just the matter. We have to, you know, as a social worker with a microphone, I do have to clarify this because I do think, Lauren, that uh, isn't there a difference between sleeping with somebody once, quote, a, a one-night stand if you're 
do a lot of traveling as opposed to having an ongoing relationship with one person, you know, kind of leading this double life situation, which happens a lot. Um, I think there are differences uh, and differences in how it affects the individual and the family because if you're if you're with someone and having sex with them on an ongoing basis, that also there's an emotional attachment. You're sharing things that maybe with the person with the one you're having an affair with that you're not sharing with your wife. Whereas if you're just having a one night stand or sleeping with a prostitute, you're not doing that in the same way. I wouldn't think so, but it sounds like he had a long-term, ongoing relationship with the same prostitute, which I, I find but, very interesting. But wasn't February? Wasn't the first time February? Oh, I didn't hear that. Was yeah, that, two months ago. Yeah, which oh, he's been with her quite a bit. Eighty thousand dollars worth of sex in two months is quite a what bit. What is eighty? Hey, I, guys, I wish you would somebody tell me what is eighty thousand dollars worth of sex? It won't get you. you? I don't want to know what it gets you. <laughs> Use your imagination. Ooh. I mean. And it was, I assume, just the two of them. I mean, I don't know, but um, I, and I, I probably that will come out too. Who knows? But um, I guess they'll, they're going to, as I understand, they're going to try to settle this thing because you know the other people who were involved too. Actually, they showed there was some uh, friend of Prince Charles. He was also one of the ten um, who was involved in. I don't know with this particular prostitute, but with this company. That's interesting, and that's not big Supposedly. news. In England, it's not. I might make it up. Maybe it is, but I guess it's not big news. Well, I, I would assume, and I'm not going to – allegedly, I have to say this because we're on the radio. I didn't even mention his name, but, um, you know, you wonder, is he going to lose his job or his place, you know, in government because of this? So if he is in government, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it, too. I doubt it, too. And that, it's so, that it makes – that's so interesting. You know, there's a – and I think about us as women who um, really feel the to, as the victim because of this. It just it really minimizes our power. It That's really, yeah. It's in other words, she. I think about all these women: the woman, um, the, the New Jersey wife, the you know now this one Spitzer's wife. How about Hillary? Hillary is another one, and actually, Hillary, out of all the people, I'm so. I think she handled it beautifully. You know, she just went on. They're still together. They for I saw them holding hands, looking happy, like the happiest, cutest couple the other day. Just adorable. And Hillary said, "Okay, I'm going to be president of the United States. <laughs> Forget exactly. about." Yeah. I mean, there's an example, and I think that, I mean, obviously, Hillary. She had aspirations that she was not going to let go of, and um, just because her husband. And I don't even think, and I, I don't want to keep bringing this up, but I always felt that. He really, in my day, if you didn't actually have intercourse, you really didn't. And he's in my generation. You didn't sleep with anybody, and so well, it that's was, what he. That's what he always said. And I think I. I think I agreed with him. <laughs> that, was, that was that was the mantra. That was the mantra in the '60s and the '70s. You know, um, you could do everything but that, and you didn't really have. So that's right, what right. he was going on. So, um, and well, I think what I admire about how she handled it was that she didn't step into a victim mode, and she just kept going. Of this is my life, and this is who I want to become in the world, and this is what I want to do. And she didn't let it knock her off course. Now she might have personally, but we didn't see that public victim response. Yeah, so victim much. is a good word, and I, it, victim. We don't want ladies. 
you don't want to, you may be betrayed, that's different. It is that, different. Betrayal is different. Okay, so betrayed, you feel hurt, you feel betrayed, you feel maybe there's, an, there's a trust issue. But exactly. when you start acting like a victim, and that's how the public starts talking about even Spitzer's wife. Oh, the poor thing. Well, she's not a poor, she'll, you know what? She's not a poor thing. She's a, she's a very high-powered attorney, as I understand it. And if she works as well, she's better off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's going to, obviously, I mean, well, I'm not going to go through it again, but, you know, yes, she feels like she is betrayed, but maybe there was a lot going on in their marriage, too, that wasn't working. You You know, nobody knows, right? You never know. And that's the piece that they could say. You know, we've had a lot going on. We have been focused on our careers, and it's a huge indicator that it's time for us to look at this and see where we're going to go, but not to come on as victim. I just think it's a mistake for women in general. But women do this. Why? Why do we want to define ourselves as poor us? You know, we are the victims, and somehow we still do it because it becomes pathetic. I think it is pathetic, and I do think it's fine, as you said, to be, you know, to deal with the betrayal, but not to walk into victim mode and become powerless. And give our power to the man that just um, did this. So what? You know, yeah, so what? Mean... Great, great, great sentence to say goodbye on. <laughs> I love it. And you've been listening to Catherine Zox on Voice America Women's Network with Lauren Deller here in Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm your social worker with a microphone. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> 